Hi, my name is White James Moore, and you are listening to my dad and your host of the Lifestyle Asset University podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to today's podcast on the Lifestyle Asset University podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and back by popular demand, Miss Shelley Smith. Thanks for having me. Shelly's, I'm going to make Shelly regular on the podcast. I think she's kind of fun to have. Um, She throws me off a little bit once in a while. I I throw you off a lot. More often than not, but I think it's kind of, it makes it more interesting. I think think? it does. I think as long as we talk, you said I can't talk about your muscles and flexing, (laughs) then we're going to be good, right? Yeah, yeah, we're good. Just zip it, would you? All right, guys. Hey, listen, one of the things that I told you we were going to talk about, we took last week off for Thanksgiving, so um, we're back in action this week, and we went through a name change and a whole rebranding of Lifestyle Asset University, guys. We went and changed our name to Vodacy, and so we will now be known as Vodacy, and we've got a great story behind that. Um, Go check out our Facebook pages. I've got a posting on there that you can look at and kind of see the the new logo, the new name. You'll start to see us eventually start to roll over this podcast and rename it as well. But for now, it's still under Lifestyle Asset University. You can still find us at LifestyleAssetUniversity.com and we'll be always forwarding that for a while. So don't worry about getting lost. Um, but if you start hearing us refer to Vodacy, that is why. So um, guys, I invited Shelly on today to help me talk about a sport that I'm not not the hugest fan of, and Shelly is a huge fan of, and I, of baseball. But I was going to give you a baseball analogy today, and see if Shelly even knows the analogy <laughs> I'm talking about, because she she's a she's a big baseball fan, and it's not my not my favorite sport to watch. I feel like you have to be really intelligent to be a baseball fan. Baseball is a game of skill and intelligence. <clears throat> And so I'm just saying that that's why I don't like it probably. <laughs> so <laughs> that might be exactly why I don't I don't I actually love watching baseball in in October and um, I love watching the playoffs. I love mostly the World Series. I really don't watch it honestly outside the World Series and I don't watch every World Series. But it seems a little more exciting to me in the World Series. Right, because there's something on the line. Yeah, I mean, they play, how many games do they play? 200, 300 no, games? Like I mean, 180. 180 games. And so the games don't matter. That's the problem. And they really do. I get every they game matter. matters. But go watch a college football game, and there's something on the line every week. And so I enjoy watching something that's like, okay, it, it, it's a, it matters every week. That's my problem with baseball. And when I can see a guy out there that is in worse shape than me. <laughs> playing professional sport I'm like okay that's whatever. what I'm saying you just have to have a little skill <laughs> all right so so uh, okay but when I was one game I was watching on the World Series and it was a few years ago 2011 World Series St. Louis Cardinals the Texas Rangers game six and I remember watching this game and it was like a back and forth game the Rangers had not won a, a World Series yet they're one of the best teams in baseball at the time and in, in, if anybody's listening to this and is a baseball historian, I don't need any comments because I'm probably going to screw up the story. The point of the story doesn't matter. The details of what I'm probably telling you don't matter. But I'm trying to give you a little background for those of you like me who may not have seen the game. And in this game, it was a back and forth game. Uh, Rangers were up 3-2 in the series going into the game. And they took the lead early and it was just back and forth. And by the the bottom of the ninth, the Rangers are up. They're in St. Louis. The Rangers are up. Um, I think the score was 
nine to uh, seven to nine. So they were up by two runs. So maybe not, maybe not the right score. They were up by two runs, two guys on, and a guy named David Freeze comes up. I love that you know hey, this because I'm sitting here. Do you know? Do you know the you story? Prep me. Who doesn't know the story of David Freeze well, teaming up with a Okay, with a okay. Let me let, let me tell it. Let me tell like, the story. I, I'm impressed. All right. So, well, I remember it because that's why it's fun to watch. Like it's fun to watch like these things happen, right? right. And so. Um, and I don't watch that many baseball games, so I probably have watched, you know, I can count on two hands how many games I've ever watched. So I remember when this stuff happens. So this guy gets up, and two outs, two guys on. So the running, the the tying runs are on base, and and he gets two strikes. So bottom of the ninth, two outs, two strikes. He guy hits a triple off the back, uh, off the off the fence. The guy misses. The outfielder misses it. They went into kind of this prevent. I don't know what you call prevent defense in baseball, but everybody backed up so that they, nobody could hit. You know, get the double and get the tying run in. And the guy missed it. Misjudged the and, and hits a triple off the fence. Ties the game. Bottom of the ninth. Crowd's going crazy. Right. So goes into extra innings. And um, the eleventh or the tenth inning was another back and forth. The Rangers scored, looked like they're going to win. Cardinals come back, they tie it. Um, and so it's tied going into the 11th. And the 11th inning, the um, Rangers didn't do much. And the guy leading off for St. Louis is David Fries again. And this dude steps up, walk off home run, <laughs> hits it. And I'm like, and so he's like this instant hero. First of all, the cool part about, I remember about the story is the kid is from St. Louis. Like he's a hometown kid. He's, I mean, I mean, obviously he's a great player, um, but a hometown kid comes back and he's like this, like instant mega star, right? They had Pujols back then. I'll, and, I'll never forget the name David Freeze. <laughs> so, so you know who he is. All right. right. So, so the, so the, this is the, the point of this story is, you know, I, you hear, we see these great things happen and we, we see people, you know, hit that walk off Homer and, and, but that wasn't the first fastball he's ever seen. You know, that wasn't those those two at bats. I mean, how many thousands of, of pitches has has that guy seen? You know, we assume that they can people just step up and hit one out of the park and they in, in, in real estate. And I'll get this back to real estate in a minute. And I'm really talking about the acquisition phase is how do you recognize a good deal? Right. How does how did it wasn't that David stepped up there and recognized a good pitch or saw a good pitch for the first time? He's been up there. He's put himself in that position thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And there's no overnight successes. We've talked about this stuff before, right? There's, there's you overnight successes take years and years to make. And, and I I, want to always remind people of that because sometimes we think that, okay, I'm going to go look at a few houses or I'm going to make a few offers, especially right now in the markets that we have. Markets are hot. We have to compete. I just went to Jackson for the weekend. I put two offers on two different properties in those areas. One had 35 offers. One house had 41 offers. And I mean, we didn't get it. We weren't we weren't even close. But I talk to people all the time who say it's too hot of a market or, I'm, you know, I can't find any good deals. I'm like, well, how many deals have you looked at? How many offers have you made? Well, I haven't really made that many offers. And I've looked at five, five houses and they don't look like good deals. And that doesn't make... That I mean that that's why that that story of you're never gonna hit that walk off homer if you're looking at five houses. Well, because and, you think about it, baseball is a game of failure. 
So think about right. somebody who has a good batting average. A good batting average is 300. That means they got up to the plate 10 times and succeeded three. Right. So that means seven yeah. times they fell. Seven times they either, you know, hit it and it was fielded or they struck out, swinging a miss, whatever. But that means seven times they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't get what they stepped up to the plate for. But three times they did, but they kept at it. They kept at it. And now... You set me up perfectly to go into a better sport to talk about, <laughs> of basketball. All right. And so all my right. my so I pulled up before the list to make oh, wait, that exact. Did you want to talk about that you co- played college basketball? Well, I mean, if you want to throw that out there, we okay, could we could mention Sean, that. Sean was a superstar at Weaver State <laughs> in Utah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now thanks. I mean, ask Damian yeah. Lillard <laughs> if he remembers. Yeah. Sean well, Moore. I mean, he got in the paper because of me one time, right. so. That was that, that was a good thing for him, I right. guess. Right. I feel like it boosted his career. So to that point, so listen to this. The NBA career leaders for field goals missed. These are the guys in the game who have missed the most shots ever. Number one, Kobe Bryant. Number two, John Havlicek. Number three, Elvin Hayes. Number four, Carl Malone, Dirk Nowitzki, mm-hmm. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Vince Carter, Carmelo Anthony. All Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers. And they're the guys that have missed the most shots. And, and the point of that is exactly that. The, the best in any business, I don't care what it is, they put themselves out there. They, they're, they're taking the shots. They miss the most because they, they take miss the, the most. most. They, but they take they take the most. Yeah. So that's you. So somebody could argue, well, they're taking the most. Well, no shit, they're taking the most. Right. Put yourself in the game and take some shots. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, right? Whether it's baseball, whether it's basketball, whether it's making offers on homes, which is what we're going to talk about today, is you got to put yourself in the game and you've got to put yourself in a position to take the shots. Now, the the next list of the NBA players who have made the most shots ever, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Karl Malone, Wilt Chamberlain, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Dirk Nowitzki, Elvin Hayes, and Hakeem, Ab- or, or Hakeem Olajuwon. I feel bad because one of those names I've never heard of. Who? I don't know. Elvin Hayes. Elvin Hayes. I'm sorry. He's, he's Elvin. before your time. But okay. That would that be like me, like not knowing. But that'd be like me not knowing. Don't say Babe like Ruth Babe or Ruth. somebody. No. I mean, I mean that, sort of. Will Chamberlain. But the point is, the seven of those same guys, or seven of the the of those guys on that top ten list, were on that missed the most shots. So when you when you're going to put yourself in the game and you're going to make the most shots, you're also going to miss the most shots. And I was having this conversation with my son the other day. You know, we were coming out of we were coming out of practice and we were talking about, you know, he he was talking about, "Hey, I want to score 8 or 10 points or whatever, you know." And he's he you know, these high-scoring games of 30 points is is what the games <laughs> end up being. But and you know, and I said, "How are you going to do that?" And he said, "Well, I just got to take four shots." And I'm like, you don't have to, if you're going to try to make eight points, you can't take a hell of a lot more than four shots, right? You got to put yourself in a position to take more than four shots. And, and, and that's the, that goes with everything in life. You have to put yourself in a position to get the misses, you know, to, to those at-bats, to see the pitches. And, and in markets, and we're obviously in the real estate game, and we're obviously always looking for good deals. And we people assume that they are not always in the acquisition phase. And I always tell people, you should be in the acquisition phase 365 days a year. The acquisition phase is one of the most important phases to be in because 
you're seeing the deals, you're understanding the market, you're going and making offers. Even if I'm not in a position to purchase a property, I make offers on properties every week. Every week I make offers on properties because it keeps me in the game, it keeps me sharp. We analyze properties, we understand how to, how to go through that process so that when a good deal comes, even if I don't want it, somebody's gonna want it. Money, want, money will find a good deal and so I can even lock it up and sell it to somebody. Now, but you can't say, well, okay, now I wanna buy a property next month and then all of a sudden think you're gonna go out and make four offers and find one, especially in markets right now. And, and that's kind of the point of this, this whole podcast is you've gotta get in the game and you've got to, you've gotta go you know, make the offers. You've gotta look at the properties so that you get those at-bats and you have the misses. You, you, you know, there's times you're gonna strike out, there's times you're gonna miss the shot. But guess what? The more misses you have, the more makes you're going to have as well. And, and I think people forget about that, especially when they're not doing this full time and they're not doing, it doesn't have to be, I can analyze and make an offer every single week and probably spend two or three hours doing it. So you don't have to be doing this on a full-time basis and say, well, I'm not a full-time real estate investor. That That's not what I want to do. That's not, but if, if you want to own a profitable property, you really should be in the game. You really should be making offers. And I know that Shelly, you work with a lot of our clients going through that phase. And, and sometimes, I mean, we have to tell them, right? We have to say, Hey, listen, you, you can't look at one property. Don't get frustrated after five properties. Sometimes you have to look at a hundred properties, but you can look at a hundred properties nowadays in, you know, an afternoon and you can make offers on four or five or a handful of them every week. And you're going to find really good deals. Right, because I think I think one of the things people are get caught up in is oh we don't love that particular property so they wait till they love and I'm like we'll still be looking at it still be analyzing it still look at the the nightly rental rates and the occupancy and the seasonality mm-hmm. I mean it might not aesthetically be your favorite home but still is that something that could you could be drawn to and is it something that's in your price range and in your you know um, buyer type and things like that and still analyze and look. Instead of just, yeah. oh, it's not the perfect house for me, we'll still be reviewing it. You know, right. every batter that you talk about, if he walks up and says, that's not the picture I want to face, yeah, I don't, you like know, that, right? I don't like that one. I don't like that one. So I'm not going to step up there because I don't like that picture. I can't stand that he only throws junk. I'm not going to go up. Somebody else take my turn. Yeah. They got, you got to go up and face it, and, and you're only going to get better. When you face different pitches, when you face different pitchers, when you when you look at different things, you look at them from different angles, you only get sharper and you get better as you go along at reviewing those properties. Yeah, absolutely. And and you can we can find something we don't like in almost every property. But how many, you know, if you if you don't understand what a what a bad property looks like, how the hell are you ever gonna know what a good property looks like? So it might not be the right property. You're gonna you're gonna analyze a lot of properties that aren't the right property, right? And just like the the batter going up, you're gonna look at a lot of pitches that you don't like. And I mean, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like me in the dating world right now, Sean. <laughs> I know you don't like to talk about it, but you know what? Oh, you threw you that got, out yeah, there. Yeah, you, you gotta go on a lot of dates to be able to find the right one. That's I'm right. Still, I'm still in the game, but <laughs> hey, just everybody listening, in case we're, we're uh, all uh, yeah, don't give just, out my number. Just personal message me. I'll make sure that you get that that out there. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's true, right? You gotta, you have. To, it doesn't matter what what it is, right? right. It doesn't re- it really. It's everything in life. You put yourself in a position, if you want to get good at anything, you have to get comfortable sucking at it. You have to get comfortable with the bad pitches. You have to get comfortable with the bad houses or the bad shots and all of those different things because the more of them we see, the more of them we take, the more practice we have, 
the more success we're going to have in the long run. And it, it goes with everything in life and building a portfolio. Even if your portfolio wants to be one house and it's going to be a profitable property and it's going to be something that you and your family have as a financial asset and a lifestyle asset, then you better still understand the game, right? It doesn't mean that you have to go spend 10,000 hours doing it to be a Hall of Famer, but you're, you've got to be you got to spend enough time to where you understand what the bad stuff looks like so you can recognize the good stuff and take advantage of those opportunities. I always tell people when they join us, one of the biggest things that um, everybody, everybody wants to follow a process or a program or a coach to mitigate the risk. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's one of the big things, right? To avoid those, those potholes and those speed bumps and to learn from somebody that's already been there. But those same skill sets that you learn to mitigate risk is what's going to teach you how to take advantage of opportunities. Jeff and Jessica Weaver, we talk about them, one of our members, and he he went down and found that property and everybody ignored it. And he was using the same skills and he had looked at a bunch of properties. He analyzed a bunch of properties, finds this property that was on the market for six months, five months, I think it was, and nobody wanted it. Everybody ignores it. And it was on the MLS. It was a vacation rental for five or six years, never made more than like $60,000. And and, and just like what you're saying, how many people just say, I don't want it, you know, it's it just on the surface doesn't look good, but because he developed that skill set of what a proper, what makes a good opportunity, how do you mitigate risk, what, what are the things I should be looking for, he recognized what everybody else was missing. And because nobody peels back enough layers of the onion. And that's what makes this game so fun. Very few people are gonna put in the time. Very few people are gonna stand up to the, to the plate and look at thousands of pitches. Very few, few people are going to get in the game and take a bunch of shots because they're worried about missing them. Right. And in the same with real estate, they're going to say, well, you know, it's, it's on the MLS. Other people haven't wanted it or it's been a, it's been a vacation rental for X amount of time and it's just not, it doesn't produce. Um, I was just talking to an, an agent in an area that we have a property in that does really well. And these agents are like, oh, you can't make any money in, in short-term rentals anymore. These are, you know, everybody, at best, you're going to break even. And the fact of the matter is they're telling the truth. They're telling the truth to, because the majority of people don't make money. The majority of people break even at best. But that doesn't mean that we're going to break even and that we're not going to make money. But we're going to spend the time to understand what a good deal and a bad deal looks like. And that's why I go back to this, the conversation on acquisition of saying, we have to be in the game. You have to have a process to analyze deals. You have to have, you know, some commitment to say, okay, here's what this process looks like. Here's the steps I'm going to take to recognize a good deal and to mitigate my risk so that when a good deal comes along, I'm confident and comfortable moving forward and writing a check. Well, that's interesting you say that about Jeff and um, Jessica, because if you think about their property, you can, I can turn anything back to sports, but sometimes you have a player who's on a team who just isn't performing well and you stick him on another team under different management and different yeah. coaching, and the guy the guy comes alive. So sometimes mm-hmm. people are like, well, this market's not great, or this house has been a rental property. Well, maybe it's been under the wrong management. Maybe it's been under the wrong owner. Maybe yeah. it needs better leadership or better whatever. So we can't always analyze what a property's done in the past, because that's like saying there, there's players that, oh, they're, they're a has-been or they're washed up, and you move them to another team, and you know, it, it's a totally different ball yeah. game. So that's how a property can be too. And if it, I always tell our members, like if you're doing it, I trust that you're going to be successful with it. You're going to take that property and take it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even look at our property analysis. I mean, is it, do we look at one thing? I mean, how long is our property analysis? Like three or four pages long. 
I mean, we're, we're looking at multiple things, right. all these moving parts. And then that's, and that's just the beginning, right? We're talking about acquisition right now. Once we own it, then we go through that whole other process of setup and management. We'll talk about that on another episode. And then we go through the marketing phase, but the acquisition is where it all starts. And, and it starts with finding the right area, the right property. And you don't do that by just going in and saying, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this weekend and see if I find anything. If I don't, come back frustrated. That's what everybody else does. That's not what we're interested in doing. And forgive me for not being too sympathetic to that excuse because Gosh, job. get on your soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's my that is my soapbox today. So I'm gonna. Do you have anything else to add to that? Shelly? I don't have I, anything I, else to add to that. You didn't know what you're getting into. I just said, I, hey, I I didn't. <clears throat> you just said, hey, let's come in here and I, in. and and I knew it was gonna be a good day. And let's tell the listeners why because Sean wears black. <laughs> Every day, every day I come to the office, he's in a black shirt. And I walked in and I was like, oh my gosh, he's wearing a white shirt today. So I just knew things were going to be good today. Things were going to be a little different around here. Yeah, I I wear a black t-shirt every single day. I like my black t-shirts. No, they they look good. I'm not saying they don't. It just threw me off. Then the last three days, Shelly's been making fun of me, telling me I'm trying to flex in them. So then I had to find a a white long sleeve baggy shirt so that I didn't get made fun of for, for flexing. So those of you that have to have to listen to this. We're, I'm sorry we're, that we're going off on this tangent, but... <laughs> hey, we have a good time. They're we do have, have a good time. time hanging out we do, They're going to want to come back next we week do and have, see what else we're up to. We do have a good time. So, awesome, guys. So, we'll leave you at that. Listen, get in the game. Go make the offers. But, but really, with anything, don't be afraid of the misses. Don't be afraid of, of going out and, and sucking at first and not understanding it and feeling uncomfortable. Because the more you put yourself out there, the more we get in the game, the more we do anything in life. And and for the point we're trying to make today on that acquisition is the more success you're going to have, right? And so go out, go make it a great rest of the day. And we appreciate you always as listening and come back next week, same time, same place. If you get any value out of this, please share it with somebody you know and go subscribe to the podcast and we'll plan on seeing you same time, same place. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Lifestyle Asset University Podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit LifestyleAssetUniversity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.